Blog Talk Radio. There is a chance for the President of the United States to use this disaster to carry out what his father, a phrase his father used, I think, only once and hasn't been used since, and that is a new world order. New world coming. America will become increasingly vulnerable to hostile attack on our homeland. And our military superiority will not entirely protect us. Not protect us. Americans will likely die on American soil. And I believe it will also be said of this age, the first decade of the 21st century, that out of what is will be seen as the greatest restructuring of the global economy, perhaps one even greater than at the time of the Industrial Revolution, a new world order was created. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. Now, get ready to enter the zone where real life is stranger than fiction. The place where the news may seem like a dream, and the dream may be a matrix of reality. Let us now expose all lie of the devil and bring to light all the secrets of the enemy, because God truth will set you free. John 832. You're listening to This Week in the Zone with your host and watchman on the wall, Phil Armstrong. Hello, and welcome to the Prophecy Zone. This is Phil Armstrong, and we are going to be talking about Bible prophecy. Mainly today, we uh, want to look at a couple of things. Uh, There is an end to the lockout or the government shutdown, hopefully. At least that's what I see with the website that I was reading. It seems like they have come to an agreement. The senators' leaders announced agreement to end shutdown and raise the debt. And that's what I want to ask today's guest, Dave McAvaney, when he comes on. And to raise the debt ceiling, you or I cannot raise our own debt ceiling. Now, we could ask the credit card companies to raise our uh, limits. But a lot of times, when we raise our limit, we end up getting in trouble. And thus, we raised it for a specific reason. Now, something that I realized that was mentioned during this government shutdown and sometimes I, I observe things that I see, and then I wonder why they do certain things. Do you realize that the government was designed by the founding fathers to have argumentative of situations such as this? In other words, one party disagrees with the other party, and it's called checks and balances. That's why you have a legislative, executive, and judicial branch. It is balance of power. It is to make sure the right thing is done. And the the founding fathers would have appreciated the... Except the word shut down is not a good word that they would like to use. They would rather use maybe 
a word called debate. Um, they would rather use a word called um, checks and balances. They would rather use a word called uh, and they would rather use a word called argument. Because an argument is not necessarily yelling. It is two parties coming together and saying this is the way we should do it, and the other one saying this is the way we should do it. Okay, so let's compromise. Okay, I don't think we should do it that way. I'm I'm tired of you saying this. Well, I'm tired of you saying that. So let's go away to our corners, come back, and talk about it again. And see... The media and the government, the media, excuse me, the media and the American people want it done now, which is understandable. The wording that they use today does us more damage than anything. Government shutdown. And notice they only, I mean, there wasn't like they just totally shut down. And if that was the case, then you wouldn't even have no schools running. Now, I heard President Obama, I think it was him, saying there's a difference between a government shutdown and a government um, emergency or government close down. Or economic close down, rather. If you don't have no money, you're not going to do anything in the first place. Um, just recently, there was a, a truck rally, a truck protest that was supposed to be uh, done on the East Coast, and that never happened. Now, imagine if the truckers shut down. Imagine if the truckers started getting sick. Well, the country was shut down completely. Uh, what I'm looking at and concerned about is the word default. And when the word default comes around out of this government shutdown, which to, to me it seems like the reason why they did this government shutdown is to introduce the word default. Now, that's probably not true because they tried to shut down Obamacare, which is Obama don't care. <laughs> it is a twist on words. 1984. The Ministry of Love, which is actually the Ministry of Hate or Murder. The Patriot Act, which is in reality, is not the Patriot Act at all. Social Security is not security at all, because eventually they, they've, they're going to tap it completely dry. Double speak, I call it. Obama care. Obama don't care. Now, this is not a government or a political radio show. This is a Christian radio show. So let's 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 go to where the rubber meets the road. You know, this ministry is a ministry of end times. We believe that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. We believe He can come back at any moment. I believe that the time is so close. I think we should prepare spiritually. The number one thing. 
We need to prepare spiritually. We need to get our house in order. And if we don't get our house in order, Jesus is going to come back when we're not expecting him. And he's going to come back as a thief in the night. During the default of, a do- of, of the dollar bill or the default of the government, and the objective is not to pay your creditors and say we do not owe anybody any money because we can't afford it. It's this equivalent of a family owning millions of dollars of property but bankrupting. And by the way, the judge lets you keep everything. But see, the government is not going to do us like that. They're going to still take. Because remember, the government has no clothes. They, they, the government is for the people, by the people, and mandated to do the job for the people. It is not the government over the people, but it's the people over the government. So when people tell you that you should rely on government, you should ask why. Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God. The Bible talks about worshiping the arm of man or having confidence in the arm of man. We should not have confidence in the arm of man, but we should have confidence in God. Total confidence in God. Because one day we're not going to have what we have now as a country. America is not in Bible prophecy. It is nowhere to be seen. So what we have to look at is where are our affections spoken of in Colossians chapter 3? Are we looking at a better world, a new world order? Are we caught up with the brainwashing of society? Do we love watching Academy Awards and the Grammy Awards? And, and do we love you know, going out on trips and vacations and doing things. Then there's nothing wrong with these things, but where where is our value system at? I like going on trips myself. But do we get so involved in the world's stuff that we forget? And I guess what I'm getting at is, are we thankful for what we have? Thanksgiving is coming around the corner. And as you see, we talk about today on the interview, or, or even what I'm talking about now, we talk about the things that are going to harm us in the future. In 1929, on steroids, will happen again. History seems to repeat itself. History always repeats itself. Just comes back different. And that's what Ecclesiastics said. We're going to take a break and we'll be back after these messages. 
This next announcement is serious news, and you won't hear it in the mainstream media. We are living in an age full of catastrophic events, and it's getting worse. But before we go on, remember this website, highgrounds.us. In the past two decades, natural disasters have increased by 800% within the U.S. alone. Cataclysms like Hurricane Katrina killed and displaced thousands because they were not prepared. And the 2008 economic collapse could happen again, but be much, much worse. So type this into your web browser, highgrounds.us. Highgrounds.us is your complete source for family survival necessities. You'll find food and water with a shelf life of 25 to 30 years, plus tents, portable containers, light, heat, first aid, and much more. Go to our website, highgrounds.us, or call 1-888-202-9094. Place your order now and be prepared. That's H-I-G-H, highgrounds.us. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Highgrounds.us. October 30th, 1991. President George H.W. Bush initiates the Madrid peace process to divide the land of Israel. On the very same day, a freakish hurricane, now known as the Perfect Storm, destroys the Bush vacation home in Maine. And the pattern continues. Each time America compels Israel to vacate its territory, our land is devastated on virtually the same day by Hurricanes Andrew, Katrina, the Northridge earthquake, and Joplin's killer tornado. Is this coincidence, or is there a spiritual cause and effect? In Genesis 17:8, God promised the land of Israel as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his Jewish descendants. That promise still stands. Those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse it are cursed. Author John McTernan makes this open and shut case in his landmark book, As America Has Done to Israel, and the companion DVD, The Day of the Lord. For ordering details, visit John's online blog at johnmcturnan.name. Now, be prepared to re-enter the zone where only watchmen dare go and only the fearless do venture. Now from the lands of the Pacific Northwest in FEMA Region 6, where we warn about your future and the rapture of the church, the concentration camps of the enemy, your host, once again, Phil Armstrong. Welcome back to The Zone, the Prophecy Zone. tribulation be like the tribulation is a time that will end the age the disciples came to Jesus and said what would be the sign of your coming in the end of the age what age was he referring to or what they were they were referring to and what age was Jesus talking about when he explained to them well when Adam and Eve were in the garden and ate the forbidden fruit, the world became cursed. And God knew that since death came upon the man and the woman, that he would have to restore men and women back to himself. And this was done by the person of Jesus Christ. God gave the world 6,000 years, and on the seventh, he will commence 
and this will be his time to rule on the earth. So God's appointed time was eight days or 8,000 years, the eighth being eternity. And what happened is that Jesus said before he was crucified and rose again, that uh, that was 2,000 years ago, that time will come where he will bring everything to a completion. And he will intervene back in history after an absence for many years. So now we have come to this point in time where Jesus will intervene back in history and come back and restore all things and get rid of sin and will bring justice and righteousness upon the earth. The signs are everywhere, folks. But what will be the tribulation period? What will be the length of time? Well, the Bible talks about a length of time in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Jesus talked to the disciples in Luke 21. And he says that you should pray that you should be able to escape these things. In Matthew 24, he said this time will be the worst time in human history. In the book of Revelations, it covers these things that will be happening in the last days that will uh, come upon the earth. What would be the condition in the Great Tribulation period. Well, most of the people who are alive on earth in the last seven years will die. And there will only be a few people alive when Jesus Christ comes back for his people. And those who are alive will have understood the value of those people who came to talk to them before this period begun. And they will understand what was the significance and the importance of the words that were spoken to them to warn them about this time that they are in. Folks, if you are a Christian and you are speaking to people about Jesus Christ's second return, these people are going to realize that they should have had listened. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? Can you imagine what this is going to be like? The time that the Bible describes. It's going to be so bad. It is the time of Jacob's trouble. And there's going to be a time when men wish they could die, but they cannot die. I'm going to take a break 
And I'm going to be right back uh, after these messages. Stay tuned. This old house I'm living in It's needing repair Windows and the shutters are letting in That cold, cold air Keep saying to myself I'm gonna fix them I can get the time All I've been getting lately Leaving on my mind Lately all I've got is
word of God says in Luke 21, 36, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. That is going to be a glorious day when Jesus Christ comes back for his people. It's going to be an awesome day indeed. But the church is in a spiritual slumber. The church is in a deep sleep. And there is a remnant who are doing all the work that's reaching all the people while the rest of us sleep. There is coming a time where God will snatch all these people so quick. I was watching a, a kid walk in school today, and his mom was saying goodbye to him. He couldn't have been no more than seven years old. He was a very short kid. And I just thought about to myself, what if that kid vanish right now? What would the mom do? I see a lot of people having mental issues after the rapture of the church, after the church is gone. And I'm talking to pre-trip people right now. I'm not talking to post-mid. We would know the general time frame of Jesus Christ's coming because the Antichrist would have signed a peace deal. And I, and I hate to go back into this again. So the post-tribbers and the mid-tribbers will know exactly when Jesus Christ is coming. Jesus said in, in Luke 21, 35, For as a snare should it come upon all them that dwell upon the, the face of the whole earth. If it comes on somebody as a snare, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know who the Antichrist is. They wouldn't know the, these the environmental changes, uh, the economic changes, the health conditions, the, the diseases in the, in the, in the geographical uh, climate changes, and the, and the earth shaking, with, and the world being in perplexity. And, and, and great numbers of people dying, I mean, you're going to know something unless you spiritualize everything in the Bible. But that's not what I'm talking about right now. You're going to know something's going on. The Bible talks about, and take heed to, unto yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with the suffering and the drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that day come upon you unawares. Why would it come upon somebody unawares? The tribulation period will be a time none other time in history can number. Or come close to. We need to value life. Now. Because God can call you home now. Not just raptured. Or not just tribulationed. But God can call you home now. See people think because people aren't dropping dead every five seconds. That I'm not going to die. 
You don't wake up in the morning thinking you're going to die unless you get a premonition. Some people do get premonitions that I am going to die. I just got a weird feeling. And boom. But you never get a chance to uh, marinate on that weird feeling because death comes quick. Once you're hovering over your body, you see, I'm dead. Or this can't be happening. But see, the worst time in history is coming. And there are going to be millions of people saved at that point. But millions of people, if not billions of people, will die in that period. And God is calling a remnant out to himself that they will be saved. He's waiting for the last Gentile individual to be saved. The last city and village, the last town, the last providence. Someone in this world is the last person in these villages and towns and providences and who will hear the gospel and be saved. There's one person who will be the last person to get on his knees and say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. I need your salvation. I want to live for you. I belong to you. And he will escape the things that are coming upon the earth. I heard a brother say that there's not going to be a second chance. Well, why do you need the tribulation period? Sometimes we just say stuff that we need to really think about before we initially put it out there. But the time is going to be so bad that I wonder, are people going to reflect on what was, what great country we lived in? Am I speaking past tense at this point? Right now I'm speaking as if we're in a tribulation period. The world will know that we're there. When the first seal is broken, the whole world will know. At least those who have heard Bible prophecy will know. Without a shadow of a doubt, we're somewhere in there. How do you think so many people? John said, I see, the, I see a large number and I cannot count. Who are these? These are the people who have come out of the tribulation, who washed their robes and made them white. These are the people who, the 144,000 Jews and the two witnesses were responsible for in the, in the angel flying through the air with the gospel. These people were saved and had to go underground. The church had to go underground. And then who can you trust at that point? 
One scripture in the Bible says you run from a bear. You go in the house and put your, you, you, you're exhausted. You put your hand on the wall and there's a tarantula or a scorpion, rather. Underground would be the place. You, you watch movies where people are running living in the woods, escaping, red dawn type of scenario. But it, it's, it's going to be worse than red dawn because there's the supernatural, the sun moving closer to the earth, the beasts going around stinging people and they cannot die for months. You cut your head off, you're walking around, sitting on the couch with your head next to you, eating, and you're feeding your own head when you're sitting. I'm just joking. I don't know if that's the case, but it's going to be that way, folks. You're not going to know who you can trust. It's like one of those spy movies when the good spy goes in there and he does not know who he can trust. At one point he can trust this lady and another point he can't trust her and then another point that they're back trusting each other and it goes off with them friends or, or walking away from each other. You won't know who you can trust in this time period. There's going to come a time when there's a mark on your right hand or forehead. And no man can buy or sell unless he had the mark in his right hand or forehead, Revelations 13. And if you take that mark, you would be going to hell for eternity. And if you don't take the mark, it's going to require your life at that time. Choose you this day who you will serve. That individual says, as for me, I will serve the Lord. Because you cannot represent your family at that point. It is coming a time where there will be food that is poisoned, diseases that are running rampant. People are dying from sicknesses. You see Africa, that's going to be worldwide. Not only are you going to have to think about, am I going to take the mark? What is these beasts flying around? What is this? What is that? What armies evading? I mean, you're going to, there's so many things to, you're going to have to think about. Are you going to be able to trust people who come into the underground church? Are they coming to spy out the camp? The Holy Spirit will be strong. The Holy Spirit will come upon people rather than be inside it to come upon people. I don't know if it's going to go inside or not, the Holy Spirit inside somebody's heart or not. But the Bible says, I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your young man should dream dreams. Your old man should see visions or whatever else you want to throw in there. Your young ladies will see visions. But the time is coming when men will 
not endorse sound doctrine to the fullest. Not only does the iniquities rise up to the fullest, the ignorance of God's word will rise, rise up, the distortion of God's world, word will raise up. And God's word will become slaughtered or people will come after the Bible. And if you have a Bible, it will be illegal to have a Bible in your hands. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilence, fears and sights and great signs shall there be from the heavens. Luke 21 seems to thrive on the purpose that there should be signs. And there should be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon earth distress of nations with perplexity the seas rape and the waves roaring. Men's hearts fell in them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. There's going to be a big meteorite coming called Wormwood. The people here will probably see that thing coming. It goes into the sea and poisons water supplies. What you value now and take will be brought to the light. You see, people do not appreciate what God has given them. So I work for this. You let people think that they work for that. God has created everything. Even the dollar bills you get paid with. Even the health that you have to go to work with. Even your, even, even your sexual parts to have a kid with. Even the person who comes to lay down with you to have a kid with. God has given you everything. Your air that you breathe. Your fingers and your legs and your, and your body. Your health. God has given you everything. And what would the tribulation be? The tribulation would be the absence of everything that is good and that comes from God. What is hell? Greatly magnified the absence of everything that comes from God. So God has warned many of people but people are living their lives, and the Bible says, and if every day they forget God, every day I am not in their minds. That's the civilization we, we we're living in today. People are calling themselves Christian and don't give a darn about anything that God has in His concern. That's why you, when you offer yourself a living sacrifice in Romans chapter thirteen. 12, a little bit later, it says that you may know the perfect will of God. If you do not offer yourself a living sacrifice, you're not going to know the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God comes from the word of God. You will be found worthy to escape. Why would you be found worthy to escape? How could you play with the scripture any other way? besides a post-tribber or mid-tribber, playing with the scriptures, saying that you will be kept out of 
Oh, that's, that means he's going to preserve us. Like pickles? I mean, really? So, I don't know if the people who said that they're going to be a rapture or not is going to be here or not. I think they're going in the rapture as well, if they totally say. But I, my problem is, how do we get it so wrong? Unless something's spiritually wrong. Somebody's wrong. Post-tripper, mid-tripper, uh, whatever. Now, here's my, here, here's my take on this. You can take it or leave it or do what you got to do with it. Pre-tribbers, listen up. Do not take it for granted that you are a pre-trib rapture individual who believes that there is a pre-trib rapture before the tribulation period because it can come up to hunt you as well. But... If somebody loves Jesus and they don't think that there's a rapture, that's fine. If somebody is, 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 is on fire for God and doing what they're supposed to do and it comes upon them and, they, and they're surprised that the rapture just happened, then they're fine. But if you, if you think you're going to have to have all these signs, it can be almost like cancer. Because you're thinking that... You're going to see the worst time in history. The Antichrist hasn't signed the contract. The temple hasn't been built. Jesus can't come back until all this stuff happens. So there's compromise. Or there's going to be creeping in compromise. And the devil's sitting there waiting. Because if I know that there's a football game next week, I'm going to prepare for it. If I know that there's a test next week, I'm going to prepare for it. But if I don't know that there's a test, they call it a quiz, a surprise quiz. That's just like the individual saying, study chapters 2 and 3, there might be a quiz. And you go home over the weekend, forget that they even said that, and then you come back and then there's a quiz and you do bad, really bad on it. Unless the teacher says, that's okay, don't worry about it, it's only one point, then you're fine. But if it's a five-point quiz, you lose nine on points. Now, I'm not talking about works, doctrine, or nothing like that. I'm just saying preparation doctrine. You are to prepare the ten versions. Remember, five were wise and five were foolish. How are you going to know if there's no, you don't know that there's a procession coming in the, in the bridegroom's coming? Because evidently somebody didn't know. Somebody didn't have oil on their lamps. What happened? I don't know. I just wanted to see all the signs. I just wanted to see the temple build. Uh, on the two witnesses and uh, of the 144,000 Jews, and I wanted to see the angel flying through the sky, and uh, um, I wanted to see um, the beast that's going to sting people and they can't die unless no. I want to see the stock market collapse. Are you preparing for food? Are you? Are you? No, I'm not. But uh, one day I'll do that. So how would you get spiritually prepared? If you think all these things are going to have to happen first, and you're too busy on Facebook dogging pre-trippers out because Jesus said, be ready for the, the, the day that you think not the Son of Man coming. Why wouldn't I think when the sun is dark and the moon is not giving us light that he ain't coming back right now? 
Really? My son, I got my son saying really right now. Really? I'm trying to get him to stop. It's like a cuss word. He he says it at the right time. And really? How would you know to get ready for a football game if nobody came to you and told you? Oh, I would see the procession ban, and I would know that the cheerleaders are coming by my house, and and the smoke will, you know, and the. Oh, really? And take heed to yourself that at any time your heart be overcharged with the surfacing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unaware. In the mundaneness of life, Colossians chapter 3 says, set your affections on things above, not on things on earth. You're too busy going on trips. You're too busy doing this and doing that. There's nothing wrong with these things, folks. But does the trip have you or do you have the trip? Do your money have you or do you have the money? Do you um, have the house or the house have you? For as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be counted worthy to escape all these things. Or what things that are written in the book of Revelation? Yay! I'm going to be here during the tribulation period. I'm going to move to Petra. By the way, there's so many people ain't going to make the rapture because remember, there is no rapture according to you. All of us are going to stuff ourselves in Petra, in Petra and everybody's going to get stuck there for eternity. It's better than hell. So where, are you, where am I going to hide at? Well, God is going to preserve us the whole time we're there. He don't even preserve us today. You say, what do you mean? That's mean to say that about God. When is your time to go? He will okay it. How many Christians have you seen? Chuck Smith just passed away. Did, did he preserve? I wish he would have. I wish Chuck would have been hearing a trumpet sound just like Chuck's, just like J.R. Church and Grant Jeffries. I wish those well, awesome men of God, awesome men of God. I've been watching these guys forever. Chuck Smith forever. Some of these guys are not going to be alive when the rapture happens, as you, evidently. How is your life? If you don't have your affection set on earth, ask God to bring you the zeal. God said, I... Jesus said, I wish that you were hot or cold. Ask God to make you hot. Ask God that you would have the same will that he has. See, God changes your will to his will. Then he will end up giving you the desires of your heart because it's his will that will become your desire. The worst time in human history, folks, is coming. Are you ready? Today, are you ready to meet your maker? If you to die right now, where would you go? Once you are in hell, you're there. 
And folks, I don't think hell's going to be an uncomfortable room that you have to sleep with with some nasty coworker that that that's not hell. Hell is not even when you lock yourself out when your car stops and it's 20 to 20 below zero and you don't have the tow truck or nothing. You don't even have no money. And, and you and you got to put your thumb out on the road. And then hell is not even when you get pneumonia and almost die. Or, or, or when you find out you don't have any money in the account because somebody went, uh, some uh, child support agency went in and took it out. That's not hell. That's just a bump in the road. Hell could be things like getting raped, getting beat up, finding out your identity has been stolen, finding out you have cancer. Those are hells on earth to me. But there's a worse time coming when somebody expires without Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the penalty to bring you back to the Father. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Look at the creation. Look at the pictures of the universe. Look at the sun. Look at the moon. Look at all of God's creation. Think about a human being who takes amount of DNA to even explain why you're even standing. Who created you? If it takes me that long to make a Thanksgiving dinner and you come to me and tell me there is no creator of me, which I'm much more complicated than that Thanksgiving dinner, how dare you? I'll take a little piece of drumstick, please. I'm more complicated than that. Take you 16 years just to learn how to do brain surgery, if not 30 years. They just don't wake up one day and say, how would you like to do brain surgery on me, please? You think some lady is going to let some plastic surgeon come in and just got out of college? So if I did not happen by accident, who made me? And I go, to, I go tell people, study the religions. Not necessarily go study them, but study the response of other religions versus that religion, uh, versus that, that, that practice. You take Christianity, you take Jesus. How do his enemies perceive him? Because if you take Muhammad or Allah and find out how his enemies perceive him, Christianity does not have any respect. To me, this is just me. I have respect for individuals who follow their religion to a T. I have respect. I always will have respect. But I'm saying this. I don't pick up a Koran unless I'm going to chop it up into pieces and throw it out as ballistics on somebody who thinks that Allah is, is more favorable than Jesus Christ. They take the Bible and they use it for their benefit because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Numa Ishmael, they study the Bible. They even quote the Bible. I don't quote the Koran unless I'm, I'm ready to, to debate against somebody. Who do they say Jesus was? 
It's a lie. Even the Bible prophesied it is a lie. Jesus said, who do did, who did they say that I am? Who do you say today Jesus is? I say he's my Lord and Savior. And all that in the back, actually the whole picnic, the whole parade. I was going to say a bag of chips, but he's all that and much more. He's God. Is he God over your life? Do you live for him daily? Do you pick up your cross and follow him daily? Well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take another break. And um, I will be back after these messages. We'll be back. October 30, 1991, President George H.W. Bush initiates the Madrid peace process to divide the land of Israel. On the very same day, a freakish hurricane, now known as the Perfect Storm, destroys the Bush vacation home in Maine. And the pattern continues. Each time America compels Israel to vacate its territory, our land is devastated on virtually the same day by Hurricanes Andrew, Katrina, the Northridge earthquake, and Joplin's killer tornado. Is this coincidence, or is there a spiritual cause and effect? In Genesis 17:8, God promised the land of Israel as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his Jewish descendants. That promise still stands. Those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse it are cursed. Author John McTernan makes this open and shut case in his landmark book, As America Has Done to Israel, and the companion DVD, The Day of the Lord. For ordering details, visit John's online blog at johnmcternan.name. Connecting the dots and showing you why we are more vulnerable than ever. Greetings, fellow Americans. This is David Robertson, inviting you to come be a part of an American Warning Radio, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Central. You've seen the pieces. Now, come see the bigger picture, an American Warning Radio, with your host, David Robertson, on this and many other networks that value liberty. All they're getting is mainstream media stuff. That's all they're getting, including Fox News. The American Warning Program with David Robertson... Uh, just a great show. Uh, all kidding aside, the, the numbers are really going, starting to go up on that program. And I think once people realize that that's on now live Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock on this very station, you're going to be tuning in a lot more. Uh, that guy makes a lot of sense, and he's really good at what he does. Warning. Warning. America's habit forming. Status habit forming. Use the truth carefully. Get more information at anamericanwarning.com. That's anamericanwarning.com.
soon. We are in the last days. The Bible lays out our future, and host Phil Armstrong examines what the Scripture tells of his coming every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on The Prophecy Zone. What is the New World Order? The people who are talking about the New World Order, Bible prophecy, may be in danger. What do you need to be rapture ready? I believe that the Bible interprets the Bible, and we have to stick with the Bible. How much time is left? See more at theprophecyzone.com and youtube.com slash prophecyzone. Hear more here on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on The Prophecy Zone. Who is the Antichrist? I believe the Antichrist will not be known until the tribulation period starts. This is The Prophecy Zone. There is a chance for the President of the United States to use this disaster to carry out what his father, a phrase his father used, I think, only once and hasn't been used since, and that is a new world order. New world coming. America will become increasingly vulnerable to hostile attack on our homeland, and our military superiority will not entirely protect us. Americans will likely die on American soil. And I believe it will also be said of this age, the first decade of the 21st century, that out of what is, will be seen as the greatest restructuring of the global economy, perhaps one even greater than at the time of the Industrial Revolution, a new world order was created. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Now, get ready to enter the zone where real life is stranger than fiction. The place where the news may seem like a dream and the dream may be a matrix of reality. Let us now expose all lie of the devil and bring to light all the secrets of the enemy because God truth will set you free. John 8:32. You're listening to This Week in the Zone with your host and watchman on the wall, Phil Armstrong. We're back, and we thought we had our uh, guest on, but uh, I don't know what just happened, if that was even him. So we're going to continue on um, for right now, and hopefully they will call in a few minutes. So um, what is going on in the world? Um, And and a lot of this stuff is leading up to... um, climactic events that will transpire in the future as far as um, I call it Y2K delayed 2012 delayed but eventually things will start to transpire Uh, now I'm going to use a word right quick that I can't stand to use because it mostly has to deal with psychology (sighs) but I I love people who are positive I don't know how else, what's another good word for it? Positive. <sighs> Christians don't like to use the word positive, but it, they you understand what they're saying. Joyful, happy, look at everything with uh, glee. You know, all things are going to work out, you know. And I wish it could. I really do wish it could. Not just for me, but for the other guy. The other girl down the street, whatever. I love my country. I should start singing to you, but I can't sing. My country to... No, it's joking. I, I, I really do love my country. And it kind of reminds me of a guy named Abraham when I used to 
Vertical. I live my country. You know, he's, he's African. My country. My country this. My country that. You know, yeah, that's the guy with a lot of pride in this country. I I can't exactly remember where he's from, but anyway. Um, but as far as the the economy, be thankful. We're going to have Thanksgiving after we skip over this holiday, holiday called Halloween. We're going to have Thanksgiving. Be thankful for what you have. Even when you step out front of your door and you're breathing the fresh air, just be thankful. Unless you have a paper plant next to you somewhere living around the corner. It stinks or some nasty plant. You know, still just be thankful you can breathe. But be thankful this holiday season. Be thankful. Move somebody's buggy out the way. You know, when they're trying to drive, park in the parking space and move it out the way. Or be, I hate it when people just do it during Christmas. You know, it's the summertime. Ain't you going to move my buggy for me? Nah. Yeah, people are good. And, you know, there's a lot of good people in the world. You know, a lot of good. Until you call, like, one of these agencies and they're really snobby on the phone. And you're like, really? But we're going to take one more break and then we're going to bring our guest on. Because I got to actually talk to the guest. Because last time I uh, um, thought that was a guest, it was turned out to be somebody breathing really heavily over the phone. You know, something like that. But they, luckily they just hung up. But I, I'll be right back and then we'll bring up our guests. Uh, we'll be right back. This next announcement is serious news, and you won't hear it in the mainstream media. We are living in an age full of catastrophic events, and it's getting worse. But before we go on, remember this website, highgrounds.us. In the past two decades, natural disasters have increased by 800% within the U.S. alone. Cataclysms like Hurricane Katrina killed and displaced thousands because they were not prepared. And the 2008 economic collapse could happen again, but be much, much worse. So type this into your web browser, highgrounds.us. Highgrounds.us is your complete source for family survival necessities. You'll find food and water with a shelf life of 25 to 30 years, plus tents, portable containers, light, heat, first aid, and much more. Go to our website, highgrounds.us, or call 1-888-202-9094. Place your order now and be prepared. That's H-I-G-H, highgrounds.us. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Highgrounds.us. Now, be prepared to re-enter the zone where only watchmen dare go and only the fearless do venture. Now from the lands of the Pacific Northwest in FEMA Region 6, where we warn about your future, the rapture of the church of the concentration camps of the enemy. Your host once again, Phil Armstrong. Welcome back to The Zone, The Prophecy Zone.
Dave McAfee going to talk about the economy and what's going on. And also, um, the President McAfee is in the middle. He's exclusive. to a lot of us coming out of the Research has given him the global perspective on financial, for geopolitical, cultural, and intelligence in the world. So, uh, I saw him a couple of years ago. I never got a chance to bring him on the show because at that time I wasn't having many guests. But um, if he's the one, he, uh, as far as the economics is concerned, uh, and he is him. He's an excellent um, uh, source of information on what's going on now. Um, the fuse is lit in American Reckoning. is a good video uh, to watch on YouTube. Uh, I'm probably going to slap a, um, uh, a, a link on this show's uh, description. So uh, go check that out on YouTube. Just put that in the um, search engine, and you will find uh, that video. It'll be quite interesting, to say the least. Dave, are you there? Uh, yes, sir. Yes. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you can come on, bro. Um, so um, my first uh, question is um, five years since 2008. Uh, can you tell me what's changed, if anything, um, and then what did we learn from that and what, what it seems like we didn't learn from that, of course. Um, it, it looks like we're doing the same patty cake and back, back paddling. Um, Democrats said this, Republicans said that. Um what does it look like to you as far as the future is concerned? We already had the 2000 crash, and and it just doesn't seem like anybody's getting it. Um, what what is what do you, what do you see as um, our future um, in terms of what's going on today and versus what what we did in 2008? Um, did, did we learn anything from it? In other words. Well, Phil, thanks for having me on the program. Um, this is a very interesting time. I think a fairly dangerous time in the financial markets. We're no longer in panic mode, and that's maybe the main difference between now and then. And, you know, the, the panic mode that we were in in 2009, right, we're not there. But if you look at the way banks are structured, we've gone from too big to fail now institutions which are even bigger, by 20 to 40 percent bigger. Um, we're dealing with a derivatives market, which is sort of the underbelly of the financial market, um, which has continued to be uh, sort of in growth mode. There's been very little reforms in terms of legislation. We have Dodd-Frank, but it's, it does very little to bring about um, safety in the marketplace, even though that's how it was sold. And, um, you know, so I, I would say actually very little has changed in the last five years except that people are not in panic mode. But if you look at the dangers that are in the marketplace, they are as great, if not greater. And it, it doesn't really matter what the 
cause or, or the trigger is in, 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 a, in a given crisis. Um, the environment is set for it. And we may have, instead of Lehman Brothers collapsing and, and, and sort of setting things in motion, it could be something in Eastern Europe. It could be something in the emerging markets. But we have the same uh, environment set and, and quite a bit of frailty still in the banking system and the financial system. Derivatives. Uh, explain that. Well, um, let's, let's say, for instance, that you have a mortgage on your home. You may have a mortgage on your home. If you do, that bank could take your mortgage and sell it off. Uh, it's just a, it's a piece of paper. It's an IOU, and you're going to make payments on it. But if you took that piece of paper and then said, well, I want to divide that up into about five different pieces of paper and sell them off to five different people, essentially what Wall Street is doing is taking one product, creating derivatives of it, creating smaller chunks of it, and selling it off to individual investors, institutions all over the world. This is just one example because, you know, again, everyone is familiar with a home mortgage, but the idea is that, at least for Wall Street, you get to charge four or five different separate fees instead of one fee. So it's, it's highly profitable to Wall Street. Um, and, and so someone now has a, a, a piece of that paper, um, but not the whole thing. And in theory, derivatives are supposed to decrease risk because now instead of one person, one entity holding onto your mortgage, it's spread over five different entities or people. And so in theory, the risk has been spread out. But what Wall Street has done in the process of spreading out the risk has basically said, well, if we're taking less risk, then we can add more leverage to our balance sheet. And what they end up doing is, is really you know, operating almost as, as a weightlifter would on steroids. I mean, it, it, they just assume that taking one piece of risk out allows them to double, triple, quadruple their risk. And so derivatives have created, I think, really what is the nightmare scenario uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very mm-hmm. opaque market something that even professionals who deal in them every day have a hard time understanding because, I mean, it, it's, it's, the, it's at the stream, extreme end of complex. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Now, uh, what companies are participating in this? Because I heard Hewlett Packard and, and some of the GM were buying derivatives. Is, is it heavily in, uh, interwoven into the, to the corporate um, community? You know, the, the main exposure is in your top five banks. I mean, if you want to look at Bank of America, if you want to look at J.P. Morgan, if you want to look at Citigroup, if you want to look at Goldman Sachs, these are the kinds of institutions that are just chock full of them. And, and I'm, I'm talking about trillions and tens of trillions, with a T, of exposure in the derivatives market. And they have these fancy computers and, and mathematical models which say we're completely safe, Nothing can go wrong, and you know we may have these exposures, but we, we understand how to price them. We understand the risk models. We understand if things change out there in the world, what's going to happen to our portfolio, and we're completely safe. The same hmm. thing happened in 1998, um, where a group of MIT physicists and mathematicians were running a hedge fund. We know it as long-term capital management, and their models told them that they were basically bulletproof from a financial standpoint, bulletproof. They were brilliant. I mean, no one would argue 
PhD from MIT, and you've got a whole room full of them, and they're managing a couple billion dollars. You know, Phil, they almost destroyed the entire financial system because you know what the, the main assumption was that was incorrect? <laughs> they assumed that they could not get it wrong. They were too bright <laughs> to get it wrong. And, and I mean, wow. this is what we know. I mean, come on, we, 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 pride comes before the fall. We know that hubris is, is where we tend to be not only blind but vulnerable. And, yeah. and the financial system today is full of very smart people, but people who are very blind to those areas of their, of their own uh, intellectual and, 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 and personal weakness. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, are we the only country dealing with derivatives? No, you could go anywhere in the world. and I mean, basically, where you have a developed financial center, London, Paris, Zurich, um, you could go to any of your major, you know, Tokyo, Shanghai, anywhere where you're dealing with um, lots and lots of money, money management, banking, um, you're, you're going to find this is just sort of soup of the day type stuff. Are these particular markets, say, for instance, um, in New York you have um, markets there, and in Chicago you have commodity markets. Are these are these com- the derivatives? Uh, are they separate from? Uh, because I know they're not uh, they're not uh, regulated, but are they separate buildings where you go into and say, "Hey, I want to trade some derivatives." Or is it just from a you know a corporate CEO gets on the phone and says, well let's invest in something highly sophisticated more to give us more leverage and we can get more money out of it? Um, yeah, the latter would be the case, Phil. I mean, it, it's it's not a it's it, these institutions have it built into they have their own divisions which put it together, and they deal with interest rates, they deal with currencies, they deal with commodities. Um, almost every asset class you can imagine. I mean, home securities, you know, this is where we ended up having our issues here in the United States ended up causing a European financial crisis five years ago because they were buying our paper. They were buying our derivative products. So, you know, what happens in Toledo, Ohio, all of a sudden matters in Hamburg, Germany. Why? Well, because there's investors in Hamburg, Germany, that were sold, you know, something that's related to a piece of paper in Toledo, Ohio. So this interconnected world made for wildfire financial panic. And, you know, there's not a lot of regulation for the derivatives. Um, These don't trade regularly. They're working towards moving towards an exchange where you can buy and sell these things on a regular basis. But you're dealing with, you know, again, hundreds of trillions of dollars, and and, and they are Mm -hmm. represented by individual contracts. They don't trade yeah. like a stock or bond. Um, that's what makes them so complicated, cumbersome, hard to understand, hard to deal with, very, very opaque. Yeah, and, I, and the reason why I keep going over this is because a couple of years ago I learned about the derivative markets. Um, is, is the derivative markets a, a balloon? Is it more of a balloon that you that you're worried about and other um, guys in intellect and seem to be oh, with their eyes open um, are worried about? Um, is it is it sort of like the um, uh, real estate bubble or the internet bubble or even the stock market collapse of '87? Are, are, is it something that we should be worried about and the listeners should be concerned about as far as this market is concerned? 
Well, you know, yes and no. I mean, it, you're, you're looking at some place. It's, it's a little bit like looking at a haystack. And you look at the haystack, and, and you know, unless you're concerned about, you know, uh, uh, spontaneous combustion, there's nothing that is toxic or dangerous about a haystack. A haystack is a haystack. But, but there mm-hmm. are certain things that we know about the haystack. Under the wrong circumstances, either a lightning strike or a match or something like that, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you know that it has flammable characteristics. So it's not dangerous unless it's dangerous. It's not dangerous unless there's elements in the market which make it incredibly dangerous. So I would say that the, the, the danger is in the U.S. debt market. The, the danger is, is actually in the U.S. Treasury market. If you want to know sort of the, the next bubble, the, the, probably one of the greatest bubbles, it's, it's a bubble in government debt. And, you know, that's largely what we've been wrangling over in D.C. the last couple of days is how much more debt can we add to the system, and will it ultimately destabilize? Well, you know, I mean, adding debt to the system, imagine an inverted pyramid, you know, just kind of narrowly, dangerously, precariously balanced on its point. It's just wanting to roll one direction or the other. It's inherently unstable. We keep on building out more and more and more and stacking more and more debt on top of this, and it wants to go one direction or the other. And our government's trying to keep it together, trying to keep it stable. If we begin to see major change in our U.S. Treasury market, that's where I think you begin to see an implosion with that haystack we were talking about. The derivatives market, it's, it's benign until it's malignant. It's, it's safe yeah. until it's incredibly dangerous. It's not toxic unless you take it out of the bottle. So let's leave it in the bottle, and, and it'll be just fine. It comes out of the bottle if and when, if and when we have a major problem with what I think is the great bubble of of the next five to seven years, which is the U.S. debt markets, and specifically we're talking about Treasury bills, Treasury bonds, Treasury notes. Yeah. Now, is the owner of a lot? Because I know uh, China was deciding to sell off some of theirs. Um, who is the biggest holder? of um, instruments that we, we have that the government have to default on? Well, you've got uh, the Chinese and the Japanese, which are two of the largest single owners of the Treasury market. And then the Federal Reserve is also a very large holder. And, you know, if you'll notice, this has also been one of those really awkward and contentious and, and, and issues in the financial news of late, this issue of quote-unquote quantitative easing and what the Fed is doing each month to, to spend $85 billion. This is money that they didn't have. It's not like they have a bank account with $85 million, billion, I'm sorry, billion dollars to go out and buy mortgage-backed securities and, 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 and treasury bills. They make it out of nothing. They make it out of nothing, and then they go and buy these treasury this, this treasury paper. So the Fed actually has a huge amount of, 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 of treasury bills, bonds, and notes as well. Um, and, and that's, again, we saw this in the 1970s where the government tried to have the Fed finance them, and we, we ended up with massive inflation. It was, it was a very damaging period of time. And um, you know, we could very well face those same kinds of consequences as we move into 2014, 2015, 2016. So um, yeah, I, I think when you consider the potential for an economic crash, you'd have to say that today it's at least as bad as it was in 2007 and 8, 
And that's in spite of the fact that the stock market's moving higher. No one's paying attention to the warning signs, I guess is, is what I'm saying. So. Yeah. It, it, to me, it seems that uh, we are way worse than we were back then. And the reason why is because of the uh, habits of some of the investors that are taking small amounts of money and creating it out of thin air. Um, but if you build a system, like I used to trade commodities, and I, I was able to see um, the benefits of it, even though I was sitting there controlling things that was not there. Um, you know, I made four or five hundred dollars a pop, and it was you know until you know I I don't know, but anyway. My thing is looking at 1980, you know, 1987, you know, 1998, 2008. It seems like if the bubble was to be, if you blow a balloon and you continue to blow air in it, and you stop at 2008, and you let some air out, and then you start blowing again, eventually the thing's gonna pop. Because it, the balloon is much bigger, you know, an hour ago. I mean, than it was an hour ago. So my thing is, if it keeps going, if you keep accelerating money into the system, it's going to crash. So what do you? Th- I mean, do you honestly think that it's just a little bit worse than it was in 2008? I mean, because we're not no, making I, I anything. No, I think it's a lot worse. I, yeah, it's a lot worse because we don't make anything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, the United States don't make anything. So, unless you can name something, we. I, mean, I know we we got we're a service economy. We don't have any assets to sell off. I mean, where where will we recover from this unless we do default? And that's the next question. Do you believe that we're going to default on the debt? As far as and, and what what would be the repercussions on defaulting on the debt? Well, uh, you know, I mean, again, I, th- I think this is this is actually far worse than 2001 and 2008, because um, you know it's, it's it's a little bit like, you know, our troops going into a firefight, well trained, prepared. But what if they go in without any ammunition? They're just they're yeah. begging for a bruising. You can't do that. You, you you can't. We would never send our troops into a firefight without without, you know, what they need. And what we've basically done. Phil has blown all of our ammunition in the last two rounds of crises. We had the tech bubble, 2000, 2001. We had the real estate bubble, which resolved itself, 2007 and 8. Now we've got the government finance bubble, front and center. The problem is because it's the government, which is the bubble today, we're we don't have anyone to bail out the government. The government bailed us out of the real estate bubble. The government, via the Fed, bailed us out of the tech bubble, and now they represent the bubble. When this bubble bursts, you're talking about an economic restart. So I mean, the ramifications are far greater now than they were in 2001 and 2008. To your question about default and what the ramifications are, um, there's two forms of default, uh, one that you announce and that's a formal default. Um, you know, you just basically tell your creditors, sorry, we, we don't have the money, we're not going to pay you. Um, or if you want to settle up, we'll, we'll pay you at a discounted price um, or a discounted amount. 
that's a formal default. We, we may go that route, but I kind of doubt it. I think we will do what we have been doing for a long time, which is, is re, it is a form of default, but it's unannounced and it's informal. We continue to add debt. We add debt. We add debt. That's going to be the theme. It has been the theme for a long, long time. And to deal with that debt, rather than erase it in one fell swoop with that formal default, the informal default is via inflation. You print new money out of nothing and pay off the old debt with what is essentially a monopoly Ponzi scheme. Monopoly money gets printed by the Fed, and it goes to our creditors, and we pay them off with cheaper and cheaper dollars. I say cheaper and cheaper dollars because the more dollars that are out there, the less all of them are worth. That's what we call inflation. So we will continue to inflate away our debt until that day when the Chinese and Japanese say, you've dishonored us, you've treated us like idiots, we don't appreciate it, we're not funding your deficits anymore. And, and that's when we'll have sort of this financial and economic come-to-Jesus moment. Oh, wait a minute, I guess we have to live within our means. I guess we can't spend more than we bring in in income. I mean, the, th- the kinds of things that, Phil, frankly, to you and me are obvious. All of you listeners you know that if you make a dollar, you can spend a dollar. But if you make a dollar, you can't spend five. You mm-hmm. can't do that. You know, but, but our government thinks they can, and they put the burden on our foreign creditors. Our foreign creditors are willing to do it, but for how long? They will do it up until the point they recognize that their trust is being abused and taken advantage of. And I think that's, yeah. what, that's what I'm talking about, that informal default via inflation, running, running the printing press and paying it off with cheaper and cheaper dollars. Wow. That's almost... You think that those guys up there in Capitol Hill went to Harvard and Georgetown and and all of these highly sophisticated um, colleges, you know, and this is all they can come up with? I mean, wow. I mean, it seems like I got a five-year-old that's actually smarter than, I mean, wow. How do you... um? How how do you get past the dollar um, fiat money system? The dollar is backed by nothing. Um, John Kennedy tried to put it back up under the gold. Um, back and uh, I think they took it right. They shot him, of course. And then um, if the dollar bill, you think it's going to continue to be the world's currency, or you think it's going to be? Uh, taken out and replaced? Well, just this week, um, the Chinese official Chinese news agency ran an article calling for a de-Americanized world and calling for replacement for the dollar as the world's reserve currency. And that cannot happen overnight, but I think it will happen. Phil, we are the sixth country in 600 years to carry this particular torch to be the world's reserve currency. And it was the British before us. Of course, there was the Portuguese and the Spanish and the Dutch and the French also in the mix at one point in time. And they carried the torch until they had to pass it on. And it was, you know, usually war, conflict, um, a total economic collapse where their reputation was so soiled they couldn't hold on to the torch anymore and someone else took it. And, you know, I, I think between the euro 
and the Chinese currency, there is a competition at present to displace or replace the dollar as the world's reserve currency. But now, why does that matter for any of your listeners? It matters because if we lose our reserve currency status, our dollars will not be valued the way they are today, and you will see as a consequence everything that you buy at least double in price. So if, if you like $3 a gallon, get ready for 6 If you like a $3.50 Starbucks coffee, get ready for 7 If you like uh, a gallon of milk for, for 4 bucks, get ready for 8 if you like a, a, a you know a loaf of bread for two, get ready for four or five bucks. Um, basically, if you if you don't think you can make ends meet right now, you you are hosed. You're absolutely hosed. <laughs> and, and I don't think that's a technical economic term, but it's it's what you are. You're in big big trouble. We lose the reserve currency status, and and you see the dollar devalue considerably with the consequence being that everything you need to live on day to day being being twice as twice as expensive. So, yeah. you know, this is this is what's at stake. This is what's at stake and I and I think we could see a lot of this come to fruition over the next three to five years. That might even be a long term time frame. I think we could see quite a bit of financial turmoil in our in our markets here in the United States between now and two thousand sixteen. Wow, yeah. Okay, so um, real quick, uh, what I guess it not can't be real quick. What's Obamacare? What, what's the problem with Obamacare? I, I think the primary problem with Obamacare, and this is not sort of a technical comment on you know some part of Obamacare, um, because as Nancy Pelosi said, we need to vote it in to even figure out what it was. Um, so now that we have it, now we get to figure out what it is. And, and, and so far, what we're figuring out is that it's very complex and um, that it's going to take some time to get used to. Um, and, you know, one thing that we do know from history is that when government gets involved, they bring bureaucracy into the private sector, costs mm-hmm. go up. So this was supposed to be cost neutral, maybe even save us a few bucks, when in fact it's probably going to take our health care costs and across the board, if it raises them 20%, I think we'd be lucky. May raise them 50 to 100% over time. I guess, I guess my primary issue is there. There is a growing tendency for government to be involved in every aspect of our life, and I just don't know that that was, at least according to the founders and what we learned from political history going back three, four, five hundred years, or if you want to take it back to the Magna Carta you should empower individuals, not empower the government to take care of individuals. And and we're kind of going about it the old-fashioned way, which is let's cede more and more control and influence to this monster, this Leviathan back in D.C. And so we're creating a nation of dependency. And I, I, I think as I look at this country, as you started out by saying before we start our conversation today, Phil, it's a great country. We've got amazing people, and I, I think as I've traveled all over the world to virtually every continent, I don't find uh, a, a people who is better able to grow, develop, um, come up with creative ideas. But there's there's one thing that we've had as an advantage for a couple hundred years, and that was government staying out of our way and allowing us to take risk and to see reward for that and allow our markets to develop. 
and allow freedom to be exercised. So when you begin to grow government in every area, I can't help but think that we are sort of either passing the high point of our culture and, and moving into um, you know, what we knew, again, under King George, you know, or, or, or maybe we're just kind of moving into an era of stagnation and, I don't know, as a consequence of revival at some point in the future or, you know, an awakening of some sort, maybe we'll make this right. Um, but, again, Obamacare to me is just one more sign and symptom of government encroachment into every area of our life, which flies in the face of what enabled small business, individuals, families to flourish for the last several hundred years in the United States, against all odds and, and, and quite a bit of an, of an uphill battle. So. Yeah. Yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I enjoyed having you on the show. Um, I wish I had a little bit more time. Um, well, for this, your listeners um, who are interested, as you mentioned, the fuse is lit. An American Reckoning is, is a DVD yes, that... If you like the physical copy, you can request a physical copy, and we'll send that to you at our expense, free to you, free to your listeners, if you go to orderdvdtoday.com. That's orderdvdtoday.com, and you, we'll send you a hard copy, or as you mentioned, you can go to YouTube and search The Fuse is Lit, an American Reckoning, and and watch it there. Uh, You'll just have one part there. It actually has three different parts, which it might be of of benefit if they request the physical DVD so they can get part one and two, as well as the third part, which is the American Reckoning. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And also give me your website. Um, Our website is McIlvaney.com. That's M-C-A-L-V-A-N-Y. Com. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm trying to get these shows down to 30 minutes. <laughs> so um, that, that gets kind of hard for me because I want to keep going. But uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, we'll be throwing some um, links on my website to get uh, for people to come over to yours and, um, and check you out. Well, God bless you, Anne, and you have a wonderful day and week. Thank you, Phil. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. about current events that line up with Bible prophecy. And now, your watchman on the wall and host, Bill Armstrong. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You're listening to the Prophecy Zone on Block Talk Radio. 
This next announcement is serious news, and you won't hear it in the mainstream media. We're living in an age full of catastrophic events, and it's getting worse. But before we go on, remember this website, highgrounds.us. In the past two decades, natural disasters have increased by 800% within the U.S. alone. Cataclysms like Hurricane Katrina killed and displaced thousands because they were not prepared. And the 2008 economic collapse could happen again, but be much, much worse. So type this into your web browser, highgrounds.us. Highgrounds.us is your complete source for family survival necessities. You'll find food and water with a shelf life of 25 to 30 years, plus tents, portable containers, light, heat, first aid, and much more. Go to our website, highgrounds.us, or call 1-888-202-9094. Place your order now and be prepared. That's H-I-G-H, highgrounds.us. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Highgrounds.us. All right. Um, just a note, um, check out our website at www.pcrn.org. And also check us out on Facebook at the Prophecy Zone Radio News. Uh, and uh, go check out uh, our Facebook group. So uh, just the last note before we go off the air. Um, we check this check the uh Prophecy Zone main page on Blog Talk Radio for um future guests because we're gonna start sitting down and and creating these shows as people say they can as the guests say they can come on. Uh, I appreciate uh Dave McAvaney coming on the show. And um, just stay tuned for future uh, guests that will be coming on, and we will be talking about things that are going to, that are happening uh, now. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and uh, we uh, not only want Jesus to be our Savior, but we want Him to be our Lord also. Jesus said, why do you call say, call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Uh, pick up your Bible and read it and uh, meditate on it and obey it. And I'm not promising your life will be perfect. We have uh, mountains and we have valleys. But um, have faith that God will help you and he will give you strength to live a Christian life. And uh, be ready. I believe in imminence. That means Christ can come back at any moment. Uh, I believe that uh, when Jesus Christ comes back, there will be no warnings. And if there was warnings, it would be sort of a gradual warning. Gradual war, gradual things that are happening that will accelerate, and then time will eventually end as we know it, especially in this country, and the country will not be the same country. I believe there will be a given day where you can look back where it all ended 
and it's sad for me to say that that there will be there's going to be a a series of events that will transpire in the future where you can look back and say, "Wow, we had it really good in this country, and now we don't." My hometown auctioned off their mall. They don't have a city hall. They auctioned off everything in the city hall. They don't have a police force. They don't have a fireman's force. And the, the high school's been closed down. They merged it. I mean, and I believe that it's coming this way. Matter of fact, it would be universal. I don't know how close we are, but it's close. Very close. And God wants to use you in these last days. He wants to preach the word. He wants to come forth and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world through you. You have the technology, just like on the $6 million man. You have the technology to make the first the uh, the first iPod show in your house. You have the technology. We can preach it. The gospel is precious in these last days. People are changing the gospel. People are preaching the new gospel. Preacher, people are preaching the prosperity gospel. In John 6, he talked about feeding individuals. I think it's 3,000 or 5,000. My mind escapes me. But uh, Jesus uh, proclaimed that at first, those people came after Jesus for the miracles. And then when he fed them, and he asked Philip, well, how can I feed these people? He, he fed these people. And after that, Jesus said, well, you, first you came for the miracles, so now you're coming for the food. And you're coming for what I can give you. Folks, we no longer come for the gospel. We come for what Jesus can give us. Jesus wants us to deny ourselves and follow him. As long as the merchandise does not have you, as long as the house does not have you, as long as that individual, female or male, does not have you, Jesus wants all of you. He's a jealous God. Oprah Winfrey says, how dare he be a jealous God? Well, he is a jealous God, and he's going to smash you like a bug if you don't come to him. You say, that's a mean way to illustrate through Oprah. Oprah's my princess. Well, Oprah is going to go to hell if she does not get saved unfortunately how dare do you say that about the president of the United States she's not the president of the United States she's Oprah Winfrey how dare you say that about a billionaire Oprah's a nice lady she helped a lot of people but Mother Teresa was too and the Bible says that all of our righteousness is a filthy rags there's only one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ, 1 Timothy 2, 5. Jesus is the only way. There's no other way. 
And people get resistant when I say pray and ask Jesus to come into your life and be your Savior. How else can you do it? First of all, you have to believe that you are a sinner. Sinner is those who are separated from God. Sin separated us from God. And God paid the price to take away the sins of man. But he also paid the price to give you strength to live a godly life. A life that would be treasured by the angels and by God and by the Son and by those who are around you because we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are in the last days of the last days. There's no other time like this and there never will be any time like this. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, ask him to come into your heart. Ask him to be your savior. And offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Read your word and obey it. Find your church. Some people say, I don't go to church because the people are mean. Well, when you go there, there'll be one more mean person. You have to know that we're not all that. We got our flaws also. I just lost two friends. When I was in Punnett, Michigan, uh, we used to hang out when he was 18 years old, 16, 17, 18. And um, <coughs> he went to move with uh, his mom in uh, Georgia. And I guess he was having a, uh, he used to drink and pop pills and stuff like that. And I guess he had a um, diabetic reaction. And I, I don't know if what happened after that, but the cops came in there and shot him. Pop out, you know, just shot him straight up. And he was on the news and everything. And my other friend died of sickle cell anemia. And he lived to be 41, and my other friend lived to be 43. We used to all hang out together. I'm 44. And I've lost a lot of friends. I've lost many friends. I even lost one, a couple of jail. One of them got out of jail a couple of years ago. He's one of my Facebook friends, but... Now, in my life, I had decent friends also who didn't get in trouble or anything like that. Um, you never know when you're going to die. We had uh, two girls out here in Spokane. Uh, I don't know the details. I think they were headed uh, they were headed home from a, a game and they got they hit they lost control. The driver lost control, hit a tree, and they died on impact. You never know when you're going to die. My my cousin, he was overweight, 400 pounds, big guy, and uh, he went to the hospital, and next thing you know, he was pronounced dead. 
of a heart attack. My uh, cousin, she was in her 50s, but went to the hospital, get a trigonometry, I can't even say it, but um, they stick a thing down her throat, and well, I guess she stopped breathing at that point, and she died. And then right after that, her sister died a year later. It might not even been a year. They are my older cousins. Matter of fact, her sister was the second oldest grand child of my grandmother. <coughs> I mean, I can keep going. You know, what my um, friend, we consider him a cousin, like, but um, he used to come on my house and play, you know, video games, and we used to play basketball and all. His name was Delvin. Uh, he was on drugs, and I guess he was so high that house burned down. I don't know if he's the one cause of the fire or not, but it's hottest where the fire was started. And if if it was him that started, he must have been too high and um, burned down the whole place and and turned his whole body to ashes. This is like a year ago, two years ago, maybe. My cousin Maine was helping some people out, and I don't know where he was at the point in time, but he got shot. Somebody shot him. I mean, I can keep going all that for a long time. But the thing is, you never know when you're going to die. And if you're listening to this radio program and you're not born again, don't wait until you're dead to say I was wrong. There are many people who die in their sins after degrading God, thinking they're going to get away with it, but they don't. You have to stand in front of God to give an account. There's many people who live in an illusion, and I don't know what part of life or what con- the concepts of life, the ideas of life, get them to a point where they just forget that they're they're responsible to the creator or don't believe that they're going to meet the creator, don't believe that there's a God, believe that there's some other higher power, there's many gods or many um, higher forces. Like, for instance, I, I mean, I'm not going to go into it in detail, but I work at a place where an Indian um, is, is owned by the Indians, and it's a wonderful place to work. That's all I'm going to say. But the thing is, is that a lot of religions have a lot of cultures have different beliefs but we all going to stand in front of God to give an account I won't go into the, what I where I work at none because somebody might be listening but I'm just saying that we all have to stand in front of the creator to give an account every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord even Adolf Hitler will have to stand in front of God even the pharaohs will have to stand in front of God. The Caesars will have to stand in front of God. All those who try to kill Christians will stand in front of God. Those who are in the dark ages and the light ages will have to stand in front of God to give an account. Those who we consider good humans, good people, and those who we consider bad will all have to stand in front of God. Everyone you see at Walmart today, if you go out there, or to the mall, all your, everybody you see at work, if you go to a parade, everybody you see at that parade will stand in front of God. 
even a, even people, kids that are aborted, will still stand in front of God. Of course, they're going to be entering into heaven, but they will still have to give an account because God, Jesus is not going to say anything to them but enter into the kingdom. I am very much against abortion. But if you're going to look at the glass half full, they don't have to come here and make that decision. They don't have to make the decision to uh, serve God or not. I love my kids, and I and I love people's kids, and I love kids that were aborted, even if I never met them before. But they will see the day when God will call all this to completion, and they will be in heaven with a glorified body. So there's not always negative things in every subject. There are always good things to look at. The Bible says, look at all those things, whatever things is pure, whatever things are great, whatever things are wrong. Think on these things. So we are going to uh, be doing series on particular subjects, sermons, preachings, teachings, and studies series. And we're going to do this with the help of God. God has given us this voice. He's given us this ministry. He's given us blog talk radios, Skype. He's given us Spreaker, YouTube. We're going to use everything. We're going to use everything. So stay in touch with us. Go to pzrn.org and sign up for our uh, weekly uh, newsletter. And like us on Blog Talk Radio page. Go to go to Blog Talk Radio page and like us at um, on the Facebook app at the top of the page. And and also follow us on um, Blog Talk Radio so y'all know what we're doing and who's going to be our guest coming on. Well, we got three minutes left. Um, uh, quite an interesting month, quite an interesting couple of months with um, Obamacare and the government shut down and giving people things to talk about. Uh, but uh, we uh, believe that there are much to talk about and uh, uh, in the future things are going to be worse than, than they are now so enjoy every day prepare for Thanksgiving be thankful every day and Thanksgiving will be another day where you really get thankful because uh, appreciate every day because you never know when it's going to be our last or our last moments as a great nation. Uh, and people are going to wish they would have listened to what I said. I'm, I believe that we should always be thankful for what we have instead of complaining all the time about things that we don't have. We don't have this. We don't have that. Be thankful. 
and uh, God will bless you um, for your uh, faithfulness to him. And um, as long as we're faithful, God is going to bless us. If we're not faithful, God will not bless us. We've already been blessed in the United States. So to say you've never been blessed, people take it for granted because everybody in the United States has this or that. Uh, you know, two cars in the garage and and, and um, a nice house and beautiful kids, beautiful wife, beautiful husband, a handsome husband. These things are not to take for granted. You know, I get to go to college. I have my student loans. Well, if I was you, I would start paying out the student loans. But that's for another show by itself. I should have asked um, Dave about uh, David about the uh, student loans because the student loans are holding people captive, and you're going to be on the plantation pretty soon if you don't pay your student loans off, or you're going to be in the concentration camps chopping wood or whatever they got for you. So if you're in school, make sure you pay off your student loans because that's what I'm going to do. Give me two years, I'm going to pay off everything. God bless everybody out there. Y'all have a wonderful day. See y'all next time. You have been listening to The Prophecy Zone on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to check out our website at www.pzrn.org. Also, like us on Facebook at Prophecy Zone Radio News and at YouTube at Prophecy Zone. Be sure to check us out next time on The Prophecy Zone as we explore the past, observe the present, and hope for the soon future return of the Savior Jesus. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.